Flash. I got something in my pocket. 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 I got Peppa Pig in my pocket. I got Peppa Pig in my pocket. I got something in my pocket. I got a marker in my pocket. I got a marker in my pocket. You got something in your pocket. Yeah. I got it's something in my pocket. pocket. I Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the We Speak English Good podcast. I want to thank Bishop for that little intro there. That is a Bishop original song. It is entitled, you guessed it, I Got Something in My Pocket by Bishop Kimani. Today's show features a singer-songwriter named Matt Suarez. He hails from, well, the Imperial Valley, as we find out. I thought he was from Slow, um, but he kind of is from San Diego, too. He's from all over the place. You're going to find out real soon that he has ties to Nolens and Ohio and all kinds of shit. So, uh, he, he'll be up here in a second. I just want to give him a good plug here. Go to mattsuarezmusic.com and get all your Matt Suarez needs. Uh, and I'll have a link in the show notes so you guys can just easily click right on that song, bitch, and get the, to his website and start buying shit like music. We'll be playing a couple of his tunes on the show, and that's about it. Um, you can write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. You can also go to the website, which is a barren wasteland of a website, but you can hear podcasts. You can check out early shows on video, check out a few pictures and a little bit more about me, which I, I don't think you need more about me. I, I think I give enough of me on this but if you want to, you can go and read my bio that I wrote. Or I think my wife wrote it. I'm a terrible writer. Anyways, um, we speak English.net. Uh, I got some great shows coming up for you. I got Olin. Oh my God. I forgot his last name. As Azar. I can't say his name, but he's on tapdetroit.com. And if you guys know, any, if you guys are paying attention, Back in episode 101, that was a tapdetroit.com original broadcast. So I'm going to talk to the mastermind behind tapdetroit.com, which is a uh, pretty popular streaming uh, radio website in Detroit, Michigan. And um, I had a great conversation with him last night. Uh, I believe I'll have Keith Foster from San Diego tonight, um, the talk show that's on YouTube. If you're, if you're not familiar, go check that out. And I got a, another couple of local artists I'm, I'm trying to work out some times with. I'm back, baby. I'm back. I, I was down for a couple of weeks uh, with the flu. So it's nice to be back and booking shows again and being excited about the podcast. Because let me tell you, when you have the flu, 
you're not excited about it. <laughs> you just want to just you just want to die. Like my bones ached. Like places like old injuries. Like my clavicle was broken once because, well, because I was hip tossed off of my front porch because I threw um, Sailor Dr- Jerry a, a, a like a, a big glass of shale. Oh my god, a big glass of Sailor Jerry into my friend's face, and he hip tossed me off of my front porch in san diego and i landed on my shoulder which broke my clavicle i mean that was a mess it was thanksgiving it was like one of my first years in san diego and i was i I started thanksgiving out as with a whole bottle of robitussin and then started drinking a whole bottle of sailor jerry by noon so that happened he tip-tossed me off my front porch. I fractured my clavicle, and somehow I uh, and I knocked out cold. I was knocked out cold. There's a picture somewhere of me just out cold on Thanksgiving. People were like crying, and the women were crying. The men were like, "Let them sleep." And then I, I apparently walked my ass home, and then I came back to the house where Thanksgiving was. And, oh my God, like, they were like, oh my God, you're alive? Like, what? how is that even possible? And I was pissed. I remember being pissed off because there was no more food left. So, uh, so the next day I ended up going to the emergency room, got a sling, and it was terrible. And at the emergency room, the fracture turned into a break. And I remember that feeling, like, it just like this like you could hear it break oh my god so of course uh being a 24 year old i was like oh i could do anything and i didn't let it heal properly so now i have this huge lump on my clavicle which i just feel like i don't even know if it's connected like it's it's just weird and it gives me back pain anyways i'm rambling but the whole point of that was i had the flu and Every part of my, all my bones were aching, and especially that old injury. Oh my God, it was terrible. So that's why I wasn't able to get um, people on the show, and I'm still probably gonna put out like a like a radio broadcast type podcast where I'm just gonna play funk music, which I think is fun. I'm just gonna do that because I was gonna do it because I didn't have any guests, but. Luckily, I'm able to reach out to some people, and especially Matt. Matt here was driving uh, home, and, um, and he was gracious enough to just talk to me while he drove. Uh, so this is a phone interview, and uh, let's get past me rambling here and get right to the meat of this. Let's go over to Matt Suarez. Oh, and one more thing before we jump in. I'm sorry. There is some, I don't know what it is. It's some digital interference with, I don't know if it's my interface. I don't know if it's, I'm working with new equipment here. So every once in a while, you'll hear some distortion like (laughs) over the voice. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. I'm working on it, but it's going to happen during the interview, which I was cringing and I was so angry about it. So please just bear with it. It doesn't last long. It lasts like five seconds, but 
you can still hear what everyone's saying. So, sorry. Okay, Matt Suarez. Today, my guest is Matt Suarez. He is a singer-songwriter, acoustic guitar aficionado, and uh, he is currently... You're on your way to a gig, am I correct? Um, actually, uh, no, I, I just finished with the gig uh, day before yesterday in Reno, and I'm driving back to San Luis Obispo, California. Oh, right, right on. And now, is that where you're stationed right now? Um, I have lived in San Luis Obispo for the better part of the last nine years, uh-huh. uh, but I live in San Diego right now. Right. You're, you're working at that avant-garde music company, correct? Uh, I teach it. That. Yeah, that's right. With For Adrian. Who, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Adrian Cisneros and, and uh, uh, Tony Grajera. Uh, yeah, all those guys. Yeah, man. I, I, I love that fucking that whole concept. I love that they sort of pulled that together and they and they got that going. It's incredible. You know, it's been a long it's been a long time coming, and you know, Tony has had that that kind of brainchild going on, you know, for for quite a while, and and you know, he always said when. Uh, you know, when a space opens up finally to open up his own school, you know, he's going to pull the trigger. He had all his ducks in a row and it's going to happen really fast. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, it just came together. It, it so, did happen kind of fast. That was, <laughs> I remember, yeah, but, uh, I remember Adrian yeah. or AK, AK was, yeah. ta- was talking about it. Um, he came on the show like a while ago and he was talking about it out off mic and he was just talking about how he had this idea and he's working with some other people and, and then all of a sudden it just happened. And right. now that dude's like on tour with the, uh, the original whalers going to like, uh, Australia right. and shit. That's crazy. Yeah, right. I, I, I just talked to him the other day and, uh, I talked to Omar Lopez today to, um, pretty fun man yeah i mean that's that's insane i love it i love seeing uh, i love seeing uh you know the people you know people my friends just like come up like that how do they how does uh how does because i know ak has um a big foot in the door there like what how does he handle the day-to-day of the the music school and then also like travel around and do music well the, well the beauty of the music school is you know most of us are working musicians you know that that teach there and we do have a lot of teachers on staff so you know if you go out on tours you know so you just make sure your classes are taken care of and and uh, someone's there to cover it and the parents are okay with that and you know the students dig it and and uh and it frees up, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, it frees up your whole, your life, really, like, to um, kind of continue doing multiple facets of what you love doing. Yeah, so, I mean, because you're constantly gigging, like, you're constantly on the road and uh, play, yeah, playing the, different the shows. Last, the last six months has been pretty brutal, and so for me, in my own personal situation, um, I've actually had my, my students covered um for the last probably about five months four months maybe of the last six months Mm. um just out of respect for the kids it's hard to like punch in and punch out like that so um sometimes you know when it gets really slammed like this has just been a really busy uh year really um 
not that it's abnormal, but maybe abnormal to be busy that far into going into winter. And um, so I just, for me, it was easier because I was on the road so much to just have my classes kind of semi-permanently covered. Mm. Um, once it slows down for me, then I can, um, you know, go back and kind of pick up where I left off. And uh, have you ever did like, well, I don't know if they would let you do this, but did they? would they ever allow you to do like Skype or, or uh, any kind of like FaceTime uh, lessons? You know, I, I haven't inquired about that with the actual school, but I do FaceTime or Skype lessons with, with a couple other students that I have like outside of the school. Mm. Uh, and it works well. Um, but there's no substitute for being in the room when you're dealing with like, you know, children playing and things like that. It's very hard um, sometimes to explain certain things without being, you know, having the instrument close to you to point at a note, you know, or to, you know, that kind of thing like in person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the um, but what 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 kind of uh, what kind of issues do you run into when you're teaching on Skype? Um, you have to be really articulate in how you explain something, yeah. and have multiple ways to explain the same thing, uh, uh, especially to a child, and you know because they've got to get what you're telling them to, you know, and it's and sometimes just uh doesn't correlate the best over the phone it just doesn't work you know yeah totally man yeah my wife she teaches um well when we were living in san diego she had a lot of students coming to our house and then um and then a lot of students online and now that we're in ohio she's strictly uh she's strictly online and um i mean it's amazing that that's even a possibility it's i love technology um but yeah, yeah. it's interesting man yeah, yeah, it's it, it's uh it's um it, it's kind of I, I don't know it, it's kind of taking over our, our entire like aspect of our complete aspect of life. Uh, it is there's there's pros and cons to it, but um, it definitely bridged a lot of gaps that needed to be bridged. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of pros to it, but like anything, if you you know moderation. So. <laughs> Yeah, moderation. Yeah, you can't just yeah. be sitting there scrolling through Facebook feeds for yeah, you know, four hours all the day. Then all of a sudden you catch like a like a like a stupid street fight video, <laughs> and then you're then you're scrolling through fight videos for like an hour. Yeah. It's comedy, but you know, you go down um, the wormhole, and then before yeah. you know it, nothing is done. Yeah. I call it the book hole. <laughs> Yeah. The book hole, right out yeah, the book hole. I get, I get, I get caught up on those, uh, those tasty videos. You know what I'm talking about? Like those. Oh like, yeah. I love them. And, like I'll never make one of those recipes, but I just, will right. sit, I'll just sit there and watch the. It's fucking funny because I've never, I've never made one either, but they're <laughs> such good ideas. Right, like I'm just sitting there, like, oh wow, pastry dough, like Pillsbury pastry dough, and make it into like <laughs> deep fried little empanadas oh tight right. next yeah so uh what so what what's your uh lineage of music like what uh do you come from a musical family um yeah sort of uh, um so um my father is 76 years old my mother's 75 but they're both from buffalo new york and my father sang professionally for 28 years mm-hmm. uh is but 
his career was yeah he, he, he's really really talented but um his career was over pretty much before I was born he kind of like went on a different direction and so um uh he you know he and my mother had myself and my brothers you know when when they were around like 41 years old you know yeah uh but um so like for me I I didn't start playing music until until I graduated high school in 2000 but I'd always listened to good music because of my father um he has a massive vinyl collection oh, that man. he's got 5,000 plus 45s. Oh, shit. Um, and when I was a kid, you know, he used to DJ to stay around music. He's got really bad arthritis in his hands and stuff. and um, He's had some health issues and things throughout his life. But um, he used to DJ around, you know, to stay around music uh, in his spare time. And so uh, he took all those records and recorded them onto cassettes when cassettes came out when mm. I was a kid and so I heard every inch of those cassettes you know, you know those records transferred to cassettes wow so I mean it's crazy you know like it's, it's interesting you know well, that that is interesting that he took that kind of time to just sort of put that together and then I mean he did that just so he could listen to his records like while he's driving um, or it, no it was so that he could DJ easier and, and faster like I mean his kind of DJing you know is not what DJing quote unquote DJing is today right yeah he's not it's EDM DJ no it's yeah right <laughs> it's many it's many different fashions and forms of DJing and you know, back in the day, it wasn't, you know, throwing mixes together and, and blending songs and all that came, you know, but um, it was it was playing songs, you know, by request. So so was um, he doing like DJ, like DJ weddings or was he broadcast? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Events uh, uh, um, for you know, local events back home for like our chamber of commerce or oh, okay. um, weddings or things like that. Birthday parties, stuff like that. You get hired for all kinds of sorts of things on the side. Um, and so with cassettes, it was just much easier and less uh, to carry. Right, right. Yeah, uh, vinyl is heavy. Yeah, and so, uh, but it's also a slow process too, and you got to bring uh, quite a bit of them mm. if you're going to cover certain ground, you know, by request. Right. And so, yeah, I, literally putting the stereo up to the speakers of the record player, you know, oh, like wow straight up and it took him I think it took him like four or five maybe six years to <laughs> to do that that's um, tenacity baby that's some dedication right <laughs> there you yeah. know, man. So, and so um, yeah it, it, I've always been around it and so I've always had the curiosity to learn how to play and to, and, and to do all that And um, but I played sports my whole life growing up and so but when I graduated high school I had a good friend um, with um, like a prodigy little cousin uh, that played guitar and we're just sitting around one night and he's like, hey man, uh, you want to learn how to play guitar? And, and uh, I was like, no, fuck it. I got nothing else to do, you know? So we, we, we went outside to not wake anybody up in the house and, 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 uh, and uh, he taught me, oh, what was it? Um, we sat in the dark. I couldn't even see the fretboards, bro. Like it was... You know, you had to like feel it out and listen, which 
come to find out years later that, that was a really good thing. But um, we sat and he taught me the the verse and chorus chords for Californication for Chili Peppers. Yeah. And um, also, um, what was the other one? Oh, the chords to Put Your Lights On from Everlasting Sunbound. <laughs> Put your lights on. Yeah. Right? How funny, dude. Like those, just every, every time I hear those songs pop up in random places, I'm just like, man, that's funny, dude. That, like, that is funny, yeah. and it's it it also, it also like because for me, and I think for a lot of guitar players, when they first start, it's like smoke on the water or um, oh right oh uh, what's the other one the Black Sabbath song Iron Man so oh, yeah. that, that's actually like that's kind of a, a refreshing approach to like so, the first songs that uh, a musician or a guitarist would be learning. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I grew up like. I mean, my brother's a metalhead, you know, and stuff, so I grew up on all that good stuff, too, and, Hell yeah. and old school punk rock and things like that, but then, I mean, my dad, you know, he sang doo-wop in the 50s, you know? Oh, that's awesome. And so, like, I, I grew up on Motown, strictly, I mean, that's what hits my heart when I listen to music, but... Hell yeah. Um, like, I don't even know... I thought this was so, so funny. I didn't really, like, I didn't consider, um, like, when I was younger, I didn't consider, like singers for metal bands like singers yeah like they yelled you know and did their thing and they were performers you know they're they're classified as singers but they weren't like true singers mm -hmm. um I, I when i thought of singers i thought of you know sam cook i thought of marvin you know, franklin marvin gay all of a sudden i didn't know that there were white singers until i was like 11 years old <laughs> like i had i had no idea i was digging I was digging through my father's vinyls, and I found, um, uh, oh, what, I just like that his name, uh, Joe Cocker. Oh, yeah. I found yeah. the Joe Cocker record, and I was like, hey, Pop, let's put on some Joe Cocker, you know? And um, and I pick it up, and, I, and his white dude's on the cover, and I was like, who's that? And he's like, that's Joe Cocker. I was like, not, eh? <laughs> he's like... Yeah, that's Joe Cocker. I was like, Joe Cocker's black. Like, he's not <laughs> white, you know? And he's like, no, that's Joe Cocker. And then my mind was just blown. Like, blown what? You know? <laughs> yeah, I was like, white people can't do that. Like, you know, they don't know how to do that. And, then, um, and it just kind of opened up that, as far as opened my mind to that kind of thing. But, yeah, I've been listening to Motown since, like, man, since I can remember that's, that's my jam right there. Dude, I, I just had a chance to go tour the original Motown um, studio. And, right. And it, it's incredible to, right. like, I mean, just to stand in the spot where, like, Stevie Wonder, uh, you know, and Mike and the Jackson 5, where they were just yeah, in this little, and, and it's like the tiniest little room where they would stuff all these musicians in like full horn section all five of the fucking jacksons you know fucking right. the rhythm section everybody's just stuffed into this little tiny room and, and, it, and it was like hot in there you could tell it was probably like all stuffy in the summer and like it, right. i mean and you can see like dance grooves where people would like like were tapping their feet i mean it was just an incredible like the vibe in there is just out of this world yeah i want to go see a couple different studios for sure oh, i mean i lived in it was kind of fun to go um i lived in ohio for a while it's funnier in toledo um i lived in youngstown for a while wow <laughs> and um i got I, 
you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in, um, you know, um, it's in Cleveland. Right. That, that was an hour from where I was living. Youngstown is like on the border of just for people listening. It's on the border of of uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, and, uh, right? And it used to be like a steel town, but then sort of um, well, that all went away, and then it turned. It's kind of ghetto, right? I mean, I, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's a steel town. There's still like steel mills all around and things, even if they're out of you know out of business. Right. Like they're they're still there. Uh, it's right on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, so, uh, like, I mean, I, I've, I've gone to Pittsburgh so many times. Pittsburgh's actually, side note, Pittsburgh is probably one of the coolest little cities I've ever been to. I heard it's but, gotten uh, better. I've heard that in the last 10 years, it's just gotten awesome. It is. It's kind of growing, and the music scene's very cool there, and there's a lot of history. But Youngstown, I didn't know before I moved there, um, was uh, the top five... It was in the top five homicide capitals of the country. <laughs> They're right there behind that. Detroit. <laughs> Bro, uh, it's unreal. Uh, I mean, most people don't even, like, it's kind of funny. I got a good friend that used to, um, he used to uh, make little short little documentaries. He, used, he travels a lot, and he'd go to different cities, and he always had a camcorder, like a, you know, to videotape something. And he used to walk around cities, and he would ask, he's like, a, he, he's a, He's a historian of his own, you know, but he would always ask people certain questions just to see what the level of, like, what the answers would be. You always get entertaining answers. People kind of do one of two things when a camera's on. They either turn off or turn off. Yeah. You know, or turn on or turn off. You right, know, they, right. and they turn on, they turn, they're out, they're out there. They like to be, you know, they put on a show for the camera. And so, but the intelligence level of certain places he was always interested in and, and what people learn and things. And one thing, like he 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 he'd ask questions like, um, like, and I'll ask you, like, um, if I said Baltimore, what does that mean to you? Oh, <laughs> hood. I mean, what do you think of when you hear Baltimore? I, I think of like the hood. I think of like people getting shot. <laughs> right. So now. You're a cultured individual that would say that. Most people would say, like, the Ravens or some fickle, some bullshit, like the football team or, right. D, you know, Washington's, you know, D.C.'s nearby, uh-huh. um, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. But it's, it's the number one crime-infested place in the country. Yeah. And so that would be, like, kind of, he kind of, he kind of used it to enlighten people, but Ohio was one of those for me, and, and I learned a lot about the culture there and it's a um it's an interesting place and it's sad on a lot of levels um there's <laughs> a lot telling of, me brother <laughs> there's a lot of racism floating around there man and, and there like when i moved to ohio that was my first move ever out of like california oh wow i mean i'm not i mean i you know we grew up right on the border of mexico like i, I pretty much most of my friends are from Mexicali or San Felipe or wherever, you know, right. like I've grown up going down there my whole life. So I don't really consider that moving out of state, you know what I mean? Or something right, like that, yeah. but like, it's just kind of, I mean, California is Mexico anyway, so whatever. Yeah. Tomato, yeah. tomato, you know, <laughs> but, um, but Ohio is interesting, man. There was certain streets you couldn't drive down, you know, or like hang out in cause just simply the color of your skin. They just, they just didn't want you there. Yeah, totally, um, man. And, and it, and in all directions, it, it wasn't any one way. It was like, you know, 
white people couldn't be in this neighborhood. Black folks couldn't be in this neighborhood. Mexican folks couldn't be in this neighborhood. Yeah, and they all hate each other. They all hate each other equally. (laughs) They do, and they don't really know why. You know, that's the common thing. It's like they all have some bullshit bum answer for why they don't like the other person. Yeah. Like, just just stupid stuff, man. Like, I mean, I guess what did I expect? You know what I mean? I went to a place where I got... The first week I was there, we go to this um, El Salvadorian restaurant that these people uh, these people owned. And uh, but when we were going, my buddy's like, "Hey man, let's go eat some Mexican food. Let's go to this Mexican restaurant." And I was like, "We oh. get there, we talk to the guy, and he's El Salvadorian. Like, they think that's Mexican, right? They think Puerto Rican and El Salvadorian. Like, they think it's all the same. It's so fun." It was yeah, all the same. It's like it reminded me when I was a young kid in school and they'd read roll call and my last name is Suarez, you know? And so yeah. like they'd read my last name and then I'd be like here and they'd look at me like, Really? And I'm like <laughs> they're like, You're you're Mexican? And I'm like, No, I'm Spanish and they're like, Yeah, I mean you're Mexican. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah dude. Like, there's a big body of water on this planet that says I'm not Mexican. Like there's yeah. a whole nother culture it's all another thing you know like it was so funny how people kind of just group it all in one and, and but yeah ohio in general it was uh i mean i met a lot of amazing people there because of the people that brought me there they were amazing first to start off so i immediately met like this really cool group of people and i was never really put in harm's way too often right. um that, that always you know, helps. That always helps when you have, like, a, a base, like, a, a home base before you get to a city. That, that's how I ended up in San Diego. Like, I'm actually from here where I'm at, Toledo. But oh, when really? I went to San Diego, I had a whole tribe of Toledoans that already infested right. the city. So, like... Oh, that's cool. There was, like, a whole... And then it just got bigger and bigger. I mean, there uh, there's, like, 15 or 20 people from Toledo that just made their way there from the same crew here. And, like, I had a place to stay when I first got there. I, and which, I mean, moving to California, um, for anybody who wants to do that, is really fucking hard. Especially if you want to live in Southern California. Yeah. Well, any part of California that ha- is popular, like San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco. First of all, it's expensive. But then, like, to just be able to go there and, like, get a place, if you're not, like, financially sound and you're just struggling to get there, it's fucking hard, man. And, and it's, one of, it's one of the most difficult places. I mean, any major metropolitan area can be difficult. But right. California is, um, you know, it's a, that's a tough one, man. Like, the whole... <laughs> I, I used to work for, um, for SkyWest United Airlines. Hmm. And, you know, that company and many other companies like it hire from within first. So if a job opening gets posted, you know, somebody from fucking Delaware could be like, you know, I want to move to San Diego and have first dibs if they put in for it. And they're like, all right, cool, man. We like the guy's resume. We'll try him out, send him over. And, you know, guy or girl. And and they'll send people over and we we watch them drop like flies. it's like, you know, they come in and and they think it's going to be that easy. They realize, like, the, I mean, financially, it's just difficult. It is. And then to get around, if you don't have a car, that adds oh to it. Um, if you don't know where you're going, it's another... I mean, if, now we have GPS, so that's right. cool. But, um, 
you know, it's it's really, really tough. And, and I mean, it's fortunate when you have somebody there to guide you or to house you or, you know, any of those things. Those are mighty amounts of when you're moving to California. Yeah. It, I mean, anywhere for that matter. I mean, I lived in, I lived in Mississippi for a little while as well. <laughs> That's awesome. South, and, and, and well, I, I play a lot in South Mississippi. Some amazing people out there. It was it was a really good experience, and nothing like what I thought it was going to be to start. But um, we can talk about that. Sure, sure. sure. Well, I was but, curious how you ended up in Youngstown. Uh, so Youngstown. So uh, years ago, um, funny story. So uh, American Idol came to San Diego and had their qualify their their uh, whatever. Um, opening contest round or whatever uh, at Qualcomm Stadium. And so one of my friends um, was, uh, well, my roommate was dating this girl, which is one of my friends, my friend Melanie. And she was uh, 17 at the time. I mean, amazing voice, bro. Like, this girl could sing. And she wanted to go audition at American Idol since they were in San Diego. Uh, I mean, she's drop-dead gorgeous. She was 17. She can sing like a champ. She's got character. She was everything that they would be looking for. And her her mom couldn't make it to take her. So she was like, I need somebody that's at least 23 to come with me. And, but you, but to be inside, you know, you might as well audition anyway, like up there, you know what I mean? So so I, I auditioned as well. And so, um, I was warming up in the hallways of Qualcomm and I heard this voice down, down the corridor and I didn't know what song the guy was singing. And it was a, it was a fucking good song, bro. And so the lyrics were just amazing. And so I walked over and this gentleman was walking in my direction and we, I stopped him. I said, was that you singing that song right now? You know, I kind of hummed the tune, and he's all, yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, who, what artist is that? He was singing a Mark Broussard song okay. uh, called Home. And he was like, actually, dude, I heard you singing down there. And were you the one singing Brian McKnight or whatever the fuck I was singing then? And I was like, yeah, that was me. He's like, man, I was going to come over and say hi, man. And, like, just introduce myself, man. You got a good voice. It's like, you do too, man. And we started talking. And so his name was Joe Joseph Jarman. Uh, everyone calls him Hoss. Awesome. Um, he's a big boy, you know, but yeah. he he's got one of the most amazing voices that that you'd ever want, man. Like he really does have a great voice. Um and so um, you know, we hung out for that day, you know. Um none of us made the cut on the audition, which you know, they they took mimes and fucking girls in string bikinis and weird shit. Figuring <laughs> out their T V show, you know, right? So right. anyway, um He's going to fly out that night. He's from Ohio, from Youngstown. And so he's going to fly out and his flight gets canceled. And I, my phone number was the only number that he had. And so he calls me and I was like, no problem, bro. Just stay at my house. Oh, you know, and he's like, he's like, you sure, man? Like, just give me a ride to a hotel or something. I'll get a hotel. I was like, nah, man, just stay at my house. I was like, you know, so I go and pick him up, bring him to my house. And I was like, my only rule is just don't fucking steal anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, a simple rule. Sleep as long as you want. Hang out. You know what I mean? Just like respect the house. You know, essentially. Right. He's like, yeah, no problem. And we had a jam session and shit. It was fun. 
so I take him to the airport the next day. He bounces, you know. We keep in contact for years. And um, at that time, I had been playing uh, two days a week for like three and a half years. I played for um, uh, Uncle Al. He owned um, he owned the plank in Imperial Beach, mm. and he owned Vidi Vidi Vici's in Chula Vista. Okay. And so I played Friday night at Vidi Vidi Vici's in Chula Vista. And then I played at the plank every Saturday afternoon on the beach down there. And so, but I've been playing, I've been playing all over and traveling all this. I was contracted at BB King's Blues Club on City Walk in LA for a few years down there, playing once or twice a month. And that was super fun. And, but it was kind of getting stale for me. I just, I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out of California and see what, what the country's really like. Right. Cause it's completely and, different from. Especially from Southern California, the rest of the country is a completely different world. <laughs> California is a bubble for sure. It and is. So, and so, you know, I, my intention was not to move out to Ohio of all places, but, um, but you know, I get a phone call. You know, you know, he and I are catching up and talking, and he's like, you know, like you should come out here, and you, you know, you and your buddy and, and stuff. You know, my buddy Albert that I've been playing music with forever, and um, he's like. Dude, you should come out. We should sing together, and you'll inherit my band essentially. And let's just be a traveling circus, man. Let's just back each other up and and make this super group, you know. And so I was like, "Give me a month. I think I'm down. I think I'm in that point in my life. Like I'm ready. Like let's rock. I want to get out of California." For me. And, and what? So I did. And what year was this? This was in 2007, I believe. Okay. And so uh, my buddy and I sold everything we owned, and we moved to Ohio. We bought a one-way ticket, and we moved. We a friend of mine was retiring from the Navy, and she put all of our stuff in her shipping container. And she lived uh, about an hour and a half from Youngstown. That's where she was from. Oh, nice. And so, um, so all of our stuff got shipped for free. Damn, and, that's amazing. Yeah, and. Um, and we flew out to Ohio with a one-way ticket, and we joined this dude's band and, and played, and that's how I ended up in Ohio, and I've made a lot of friends out in that area since. Um, my really good friend, uh, uh, um, 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 uh, Alyssa Joseph, uh, lives in Toledo as well. Yeah. She lives out there. You should contact her. I, um, I do plan on doing it. I actually forgot, because when, when I first started con- when I first contacted you, was a while ago, but you told me about her, and then I was just thinking, like, oh, my God, because I looked her up immediately, and I was like, oh, I got to see who this person is. And it looks like yeah. she's, like, married with kids. I don't know if she's still gigging, but I do want to, like... But, oh. No, she does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she teaches... Uh, I, I think she teaches at Toledo at the university there. Oh, awesome. Uh, I think she teaches there, but... I know she graduated from there, and she teaches at a school there um, somewhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, she's a good singer. So funny, I met her because she followed my music online and hit me up, and we had some mutual friends from that area. What well, I, uh, I seen a Com- picture with her and um, um, God, what's his name? Josh Domingo. Josh Domingo, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I saw a picture with her, her and Domingo, and I was like, oh shit! Yeah. And I forgot yeah, that so- Domingo played at Mickey Finn's here a few times. Right, well, so so uh, her and I had already become friends, and I was like, hey, man, this dude that I know is playing in Ohio. You should go to his gig. He's playing in Toledo. Oh, right. And so right. she went to his gig and met Josh. Ah. 
No. Yeah, small world, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, but, like um, the the music community in San Diego, it's just it's it's fun. It's I love interesting. It. Yeah, it is. It's, it's good, man. Some stellar musicians there, and good oh my music. God. I was so sad to leave. <laughs> you have no idea how sad I was to leave. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Especially now it's like record lows, like it's like negative three, and I'm just like, oh my god, oh, yeah. it's horrible. But yeah, I do not, I do not miss being in whiteouts and, oh, and uh, just carrying a carrying a, a screwdriver in my car all the time to like chip the ice off my handle. <laughs> I don't miss it. No, you no, can't. It's it's yeah. I mean, but no, I mean, it, it's though. real. It it gets real out here, man. It gets real, and and I appreciate the realness. But man, I really like that California. <laughs> that California. Uh, no, right? That's you know it's funny. So like, uh, I grew up two hours east of uh, San Diego in the Imperial Valley. Okay. So. Uh, and on the north side of that, so two hours east and then and then forty five minutes north, uh, in a little town called Nyland, okay. seventh street town, including the highway that passes throughout the desert. So we border Arizona and Mexico, like you know. Oh, but yeah. uh, it, every summer, it it fluctuates between like one hundred and twenty four degrees to like one hundred and thirty four. Oh God! In that, in that, yeah. I hate too. <laughs> So like yeah, so like I've been in extreme snow and yes, all that, but I grew up in the heat, and so like I said, I moved to Mississippi for a while, and I play I play in New Orleans all the time. Now I live an hour and twenty minutes from New Orleans, and um, and it, I love that whole area. But I, when I moved there, there, everyone always told me you're gonna hate the humidity, all this, you know. Yeah. I heard all the war. I heard all the war stories, and now, and when I get there. You know, after the first week that I get there, I land uh, two regular gigs a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I've been very fortunate at most places I've gone to land, like, some steady work. And so... What, what, um, just uh, just for a pause before we get into your Mississippi adventures, um, what what's your approach to like breaking into new markets and like or okay. or going and getting gigs? Like, what's your what's your well? So. The majority is word of mouth, like through friends, you know what I mean, to get your foot in the door somewhere. Yeah. That's usually how it happens. It's just connections these days, you know what I mean, just been doing this for like 18 years now. And so like you tend to know a couple people right. in a lot, a lot of areas. And so that, that helps. But I'll send emails, you know what I mean, press kits, you know, and stuff like that. If I'm looking to travel, like, you know, do it really good, like mapped out travel. Um, but when I moved to Mississippi, it was very interesting because... It's like 1995 out there. Like, nobody knows what an email is. Nobody has one. Like, you got to walk into a place and physically take a CD or talk to somebody. And so that's what I did there. I walked in, and um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just straight up, I guess, with people when I walk in. Maybe I'm a good talker. I don't know. But I walked in, and I landed two gigs a week um, at two different places. The first day that I went out to go do that, um, and I mean the one place that I I ended up playing twice a week there, and then one night a week at the other joint, and then so, um, the one place was called Mosaics. Uh, it's like a tapas like hookah type place. Okay. Um, and um, but it's like if you if you've ever been there, it's like that that street. It's kind of like San Luis Obispo. Is there's one street to party on. Uh -huh. And it's like a college kind of environment. Yeah. So even 
even when I say like a hookah or tapas place, it's it's a bar. It's like a bar more so. Right. Dating. It's kind of a popping little place. I like slow. By the way, slow is the shit. I had a really great time. I I van lifed over the summer and I was in slow for probably like four or five days because our van broke down and like oh wow you should have hit me up i was probably there <laughs> i well i i honestly just was I, <laughs> I was just i was just wandering around being weird but we were picking raspberries <laughs> or not oh, yeah. raspberries blackberries yeah anyways i'm sorry that's funny um, go, uh, but, but it's kind of that way. So I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that joint in mosaics yeah. and I'm talking to the manager and I'm like, Hey man, you know, I'm a musician, just moved to town the whole night, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, I'm looking for some steady work. You know, if you've got anything on a slow day, I'd love to help you build that day. You know, right. You know, let me get my foot in the door. And so he's like, yeah, you know, if you come back, you know, like we can, you know, leave your CD, you know, I'll listen to your CD and I'll get back to you. And I was like, well, there's a gentleman up there playing right now. You want me to just, like, ask him if I could sing a song or two? And then, I mean, you can just let it be audition right now. You know, it's fine. And so he's like, yeah, he's okay with it. I was like, cool. So I walk up. So, hey, man, you mind if I, like, cut a, you know, cut right on a couple tunes? You know, I'm trying to get a gig here, too, and just move to town, blah, blah, you know. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to hang out and talk to you afterwards, but that'd be fun, you know. Yeah. And he was super cool, this guy, Michael Hallett. He was just very, very cool guy, and I'm so glad that he let me do that. And I got up and I cut rug and played a couple tunes and I came off and the guy's like, "Hey man, can you do you want Wednesdays or do Tuesdays work for you?" But like sometimes on Thursdays we kind of need somebody too. And I was like, "Yeah, man, yeah, like give me all of them, whatever you got, you know, man." <laughs> so yeah. it was it was super fun. It worked out really well and better than I could have ever thought it would have. And um, it was really cool. Made a lot of amazing friends there. That happened around town, and just being the new kid in town in a small area, um, it was pretty cool. Like that, they they didn't have to be as accepting as they were, but they were, and um, forever grateful to those, to those people for doing that. Um, yeah, cool. man. So, how did you end up in Mississippi? So, my really good friend Michael, uh, which was an old roommate from San Diego, is from uh, Hattiesburg, and he lived at the time. His his uh, family. Uh, some of his family lived in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, which is right next to Biloxi. And so um, we, he had been telling Uh-oh. I think we lost him. ...and hang out and see the scene and all these good things. So um, he unfortunately had, had, had a, um, a family emergency and, and, and um, um, just really needed a friend to come out that had a, had a different perspective than the general person who lived in that that, that was from that place oh okay, so okay. he just needed wow. a friend and, my, and he called me and he's like you're the only person I know that can free up their schedule and loves to travel as much as I do and I'd really appreciate it if you came out at least for a few months and hung out and met some of my people and, and just you know my friends and, and just hung out and so I did I was like give me a month same thing as back in the day it's always a month right I was like give me a month and uh, I booked the tour up and down California, and I saved a little bit of money, and I bought a one-way ticket to New Orleans. Wow, that I mean, like that's a that. Well, first of all, what a great friend that just like drop <laughs> your entire life and just move to well, there. Well, I, I was in a I was in a um, an interesting point in my life too. I, I dealt with some um, some illnesses for about 
two and a half years, and I, I, I wasn't out playing music for that for that time. Oh wow! And I was about ready to get back into music, and this was I just threw myself in it. That was my first push back into it, and I took a one way ticket to New Orleans. <laughs> that I mean, that's just an interesting approach. I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm jumping around here, but like with Youngstown, like were you were you able to work? like work with that guy was that was that actually something uh, that worked out in the end or um yes and no um ultimately um musically it didn't work hmm. um uh but culturally it was a little bit of a hurdle as well no. uh, my buddy and i you know we, we moved out there we're from california and i'm not trying to say that all californians are laid back type <laughs> and all of that but um but and the majority, it's pretty, you know, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. But, um, but when I get out, when we get out there, you know, I realize real quick that everyone's working two, three jobs and mm. really not living a life. They're really working a life. Right. Yeah. And, and, and um, very working class really, out here. Yeah. And which is great. And there's nothing, I'm not trying to say anything negative about that or right. if it's the wrong way. Right. It's not, it's not the right way for me. Right. personally but i'm not trying to say that that's the way to go for somebody else but um i didn't really understand why at first you know and so my buddy and i were really laid back about everything and our friends like man you guys you know you guys might want to pick up you know a couple jobs and all this stuff now you this is at the time where he's talking to a guy that's been supporting himself for three and a half years in san diego with music alone <laughs> right and so uh, we get there and on top of it we're living in a house that the mortgage payment was something like 480 bucks or something like that. <laughs> or like a three-bedroom, two-story house backyard in a, in a cul-de-sac next to a fucking elementary school. <laughs> and so, uh, like, just coupled with, like, the most beautiful Mill Creek that runs through, like, like, it's one of the longest creeks in the country. It runs through, like, five states. It's just a beautiful area uh, it was in mineral ridge ohio right right, right next to youngstown okay. so um you know i was like dude we'll just book some gigs and it's all good we're like splitting the mortgage bro like that's, i mean i could panhandle your mortgage like i'm just saying like i chill out homie you know and so he's like because the whole time out, he's like, hey, man, it's not like San Diego. Is, you know, you're not really going to be able to find gigs. You're not really going to be able to make a living like you did there. And I'm like, look, bro, I've come a long way, and I've lived in towns where there aren't any money. There are no jobs. And I still found time. I've still found money in places. People still come out. They still want to escape the daily grind, more so than ever, in my opinion, in places like that. Yeah, totally. And it's more important. They're more inclined to when they spend their dollar, they want to know that they're spending it having a good time on something that they like, and they're not spending it on a bill or, you know, paying attention to grinding and, you know, going to work in the morning. So I was like, I, th I think we'll be fine, bro. You know, and I kept telling that kind of stuff. And so he's like, I think you guys should get a job. I was like, bro, let's just book a couple. This is in the first like two weeks we're there. I was like, but bro, let's just let's just book some gigs and we're good. If you, I mean, if literally if I booked, you know, if I booked one gig a month and made two hundred dollars, there's my portion. Right. One out of thirty days. One. <laughs> so I was like, let's just book some gigs and like I, I, I'm sure I could find some regular gigs out here. And so 
we run around, he takes us to a bunch of places, and the whole time, I, I felt at the time, not to say this is what it was, but I felt at the time like he had in the back of his head, like he'd watch us go into these places like, watch this shit. Watch yeah. this fail. Watch this failure. You know, watch <laughs> this backfire. Like if he was watching a fucking explosions, you know, like fireworks and stuff going off. And so we'd go in and we'd come out with gigs. We'd come in. I ended up doing like some scores for like commercials out there for some small town like mom and pop shops and things. Holy shit! And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like you know, you go in and and all of a sudden like money isn't a problem. It's just like there's money there. You just have to ask the right way. You gotta come out it the right way. And so. Well, I think um, I think that that's was, a good uh, just just for a pause. I think that's a good bit of advice. There is like you can um, that music isn't just playing music. That it is actually you have to go and like talk to people. And my favorite quote that actually my wife told me. I don't know where she got it, but like like your net worth or your network is your net worth. And so like talking to people, getting to know people. Uh, uh, just, just getting your name out there and just being able to communicate yeah. well is such a huge uh, part of this business. And so, uh, I, I, I think that's that's probably. Well, it seems like that's what you're really good at, and that's that's exactly what I am not good at. <laughs> but it, I'm not it, a lead. Go ahead. I mean, when you just treat people like human beings, it goes so far. Yeah. And it, and it's as simple as that. It's as simple as seeing somebody for who they are. You know what I mean? Like recognizing that they're human being in front of you. Talk to them. You know, it's like I, I learned a lot um, traveling around, and even in San Luis Obispo when I first got there, you know, busking on the street. Yeah. Um, you learn. You learn a lot when you when you busk on the street. And I, I had the pleasure of busking in slow. <laughs> that was fun. Good. It, it, it's it's an interesting place. So when I first got there. Um, you know, it's kind of like Santa Barbara, you know, people walk mm-hmm. by you like you smell, you know what I mean? Like, like, like you're, you're bum, you know, you're just like, you're begging, you know, mm-hmm. I never begged anybody for anything in my life. Right. You know what I mean, like, it's, but there, there are a few people that you see walk by that, that truly see you. And, and, um, in that town specifically, I made some amazing friends doing that, that are still my close friends to this day, 10 years later. That, that's and, awesome. And, but it's because they saw me. Like, they, they watched. You know, like, there was, I always tell my friend Lindsay this story. I'll never, like, forget this woman. You know, I'm, I'm busking out in front of this, like, ice cream shop because I had really good acoustics in a little corridor. Mm-hmm. So it amplified it into the street. It was a really good place. And so, you know, I go into this ice cream place, ask them if it's okay, you know, ask the manager, and they're cool with it. They're like, yeah, people come and do it all the time. We don't mind, you know. Yeah. Just don't, like, you know, interrupt anybody or from eating or, like, you know, a nuisance, you know, nuisance kind of thing. Right. So, I sit on a plane and this and this pack of like three or four beautiful women walk by, which there's no shortage of that in that town. <laughs> and so, um, one of the girls stops and she turns around and you can see one of the other girls kind of pour her hand a little bit and be like, no, don't talk to him, you know, whatever. And she comes over, so hold on, she came over and she goes, she threw a ten dollar bill in my guitar case took a business card i just play i just i just laid out business cards in there there was no sign saying put tips in or anything i just yeah. put it out to hand out business cards that's it um and um she threw a ten dollar bill in there and, and she's like she's like where the fuck did you come from and 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 literally like she just wanted to know like she's like you have an amazing voice and, like this is like you sing beautifully and 
fuck, man? Like, where'd you come from? What's your story? So we started talking, right? Whatever. They walk, you know, we had a conversation. They leave, go on about the business. Later on that night, I, I finished with the gig and I'm walking downtown. And um, I walk by and I see this girl bartending in this place. And I was like, that's that girl. So I walked in and she saw me immediately and was like, holy shit, like, come in, you know? So I, I order a drink and um, I order a drink and she, I asked her how much it is and she's like, don't worry about it. She don't take my money. You know? And I was like, I don't know, how much is it? She like walked away. I took out her own $10 bill and she came back and I paid her with her own $10 bill. And I said, you came to my work, I'll come to yours. <laughs> like, it's all right. You know what I mean? Like, thank you. Like, thank you for seeing me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's that kind of thing that I think is really important. Too many times, like we walk by people and, and we don't acknowledge and you never know what a handshake, a small conversation a fucking hug, high five, whatever it is can do for somebody. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. man. You're absolutely right. And, and that's one of the, I think that's one of the biggest thing I've learned from my wife is like compassion for that, for, for, um, just being open and commu communicating with like people who are homeless or people who are busking, just, I mean, making eye contact and smiling and just saying hi, you know, just, and not ignore that because I don't know, like, uh, too many times people are just used to that like it's like they're just like this yeah. fixture on the sidewalk that they have to like walk over you know it's like i gotta get this well i i think we get fed a lot of misguided information obviously you know by right. design like you know we want to get into that conversation but <laughs> um i think people are are afraid of other people in some weird way naturally just like now it's like kind of like instinctual like they just mind they keep to their own stay in their lane you know they don't they don't converse as much as maybe yeah, they don't even want to know their neighbor have. yeah well it's kind of like well for multiple reasons you know what i mean like they they, they just stay away and keep to their own and i've never been like that man like i, I when i walk by somebody if, if they got a nice hat or they're dressed pretty whatever it is I'll say it, you know what I mean? If I catch eyes and I acknowledge that you see me, I, it's like, good day, you know? I'll say good day or like, you know, you know, beautiful day, isn't it? Like, you know, have a good one, whatever, you know? Like, you, 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 you obviously caught eyes, like you see these people. Like, why is it bad to like do that? But it happens a lot where if you say that to somebody, especially in California, and especially more so in Southern California, if you say some, if you say, "Hey, you look beautiful today," and keep walking, the guy, some girl look at you like you stink, like you want to steal everything out of her pocket. <laughs> like this is just kind of a common thing, you know. And I don't know why it is the way it is, or why it happens more often in certain places. But I, I think people should stop being afraid of people so much and stop thinking that everyone wants something from each other. Right. You know? Other than just like a, just a, an acknowledgement of existence. It's like, I acknowledge yeah, you right, that yeah. you exist in the same place as I do. It's just a simple thing, you know? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. So with the Youngstown, so what finally made you like, I got to get out of here? Um, my, my, my mom got sick. And so mm. um, I decided to fly back to California. And so I did. I took care of my mother and... Uh, when she got better, uh, then I went back out on the road, did some things. But 
but uh, musically, it, it had run its course before we left, you know. Mm. And uh, uh, I just knew it wasn't going to work. The guys didn't have the same kind of work ethic, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they, again, worked two and three jobs and the, for no reason whatsoever. Um, other than to just, I, they just felt like they were supposed to, you know. Well, like it's you, a it's it's a culture here, man. It's a it's a huge culture. That's what I mean. Like it's it's um you you go to work like you go to work like you either go to college so you can go to work, or you graduate high school you go to some drab factory where you like hate your life and. And right. you, and, but that's, but that's what's expected of you. Like, like you're taught that. Like that, that's what I mean. Like even, I mean even in schools they teach kids it's like not to work for themselves but to work for someone else. It's all training to go and right. be, either find the job of your dreams maybe, or just go be miserable and make money. So well, it's, either way it's, condi- it's conditioning. Yes. Um, to have to have robots you know what I mean yes. like they just they just want people to work to follow it's you know they don't teach you to to necessarily necessarily problem solve they are you know or to be an innovator they teach you to follow directions yeah that's why most of our tests in high school in my opinion high school junior high elementary whatever it is it's it's mem- it's memorization right it's not creativity yeah you're not learning like, anything really you, that shit just no, goes right out your fucking head like the next day no you're just you, be, you have a very good memory, and that's what they want. You have a very good memory. But am I they? Who the fuck knows who they are? But just saying. Like, no, no, and, and, and it's totally like... It's totally some archaic bullshit left over from like the 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 post like World War Two nineteen fifties era, where it's just like right. go to school, go to a factory, and, like you know you're 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 helping your country by be working in these terrible factories, supporting the war, and then that sort of drifted into the fifties, which you know was a flourishment, and that's what right. you know all these politicians want to say. They say they want to get back to those times. And it, it's just your drone. You're like they're just people are just drones. It, it's it, it's sad. It is, and, it's and, you're sickening. Made, and you're made to feel bad for not feeling that way. And that's and that's how I felt when I got back in the town here. Like my mom was like, "Well, are you gonna get a job?" And I was like, "Well, I do own a business that's still running in San Diego, and um, I'm gonna try to work as a musician." So I right. I know. <laughs> right, but, I know. I'm- and how do you tell someone like that? No, and that, and that was part of like, you know, th- these guys that were in Youngstown, they're amazing musicians, amazing people. I, I love those guys. Uh, but, but I mean, it, when you have a talent like that and you don't honor your craft, you know, you just, it's like, uh, what, what's, uh, what's that movie, um, A Bronx Tale? You remember that movie? I do. Remember, there's nothing worse than wasted talent. Yeah, totally, man. And that's, and that's really, and that's really it. And, and it got to a point where I knew that nothing was going to change. And musically, too, you know, some of the guys didn't know how to step back when they needed to and step forward when they should. Gotcha. And, and it was very difficult um, at that time. And um, and maybe even my, myself and my buddy Albert, you know, we were probably too immature at the time as musicians to really handle it properly as well. Yeah. And so. Um, it was just it didn't end badly it just was it didn't end good and so right. it just um, ran its course it was, and you yeah. got called back things, to Cali yeah things happened and, and it was for the better and they've worked out in the best way possible man it's really been it's really been a good thing so so how um, was how, what, so Mississippi now jumping back to Mississippi what was um, 
what sort of ran its course out in Mississippi. What's that? What what ended your run in Mississippi? Um, I I just was at a point where um, again I th- I thought my uh, my parents were having a little bit of health issues and things like that, right. and then I was you know um, I was far away and it was getting I was just kind of too far, you know, uh, and then um, um, there was some musical opportunities that weren't really manifesting there in the way that I liked them to, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so I just thought the best thing was to come back to California and um, I had already built a home for myself in San Luis Obispo as far as musically goes, you know, um, and I wasn't worried about getting work mm. per se. You know? um, so being back, you know, I was back in California and helping my folks out and, uh, and then just getting back in the groove in California. But, but with all that said, I, I, I take, at least two trips a year um, out and I gig in South Mississippi and in Louisiana and New Orleans uh, for about a, for about a m- three weeks to a month at a time. Oh, that's fucking. And so, yeah, I, I don't live there, but I do still frequent there, and I love that that area. I mean, the best music I've ever heard is in New Orleans, and every time I go back, it's the best version of that music I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, it is a beautiful place, man. It, it's brilliant. But um, again, lucky I met really good people because that's a dangerous-ass place. <laughs> you don't want to go there by yourself. Hell yeah. I had a friend who lived in the Ninth Ward. Um, oh, yeah. Like a, a few, like maybe about f- maybe like three years after Katrina. And like that's where, like you know, it really hit. And he was... Uh, yeah. He told he was telling me this one night he was just walking and he lived I mean he lived in the ninth ward, he's a white dude, and he was just walking to the street going to get like a beer at like the corner store, and somebody was driving up, rolled down their window, pulled out a gun, and pointed it at him and did like the like like you know when you do it with your fingers, like the pow. But he just oh, yeah, did yeah. it with a thing and, and then like rolled up his window and cruised out. Bro, the last time I was in New Orleans last year, uh, my friend Michael and I were walking down the street, um, and we're having a conversation about guns, actually, because he, for the first time ever, um, is a gun owner, and um, his mother purchased him a gift of, you know, classes to learn how to use it and uh, some ammunition for it. And we were having uh, conversations about that because they're the most hippie, peaceful people ever. And as we're talking about it walking down the street, this white Jetta, this four-door Jetta, is coming down in the opposite direction because we're walking against traffic on the sidewalk. Mm. Um, this car stops in the middle of traffic and this big old brother gets out of this car and he beelines right at me and he's like, what do you got in your pockets for me, white boy? Oh, and he ran up, and this guy's towering over me, and he, and he leaned down to reach at my pocket. And when he reached to my pocket, I grabbed his wrist and pulled him down. So we were eye level. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I, it was this weird, um, like, euphoric moment. And I just, we looked each other's eyes, looked him in the eyes, and uh I told him, don't do this to yourself. Oh. And 
as I said that, it confused him a little bit, and I could smell the alcohol on his breath. Oh. And I was about to hit him with my left hand, and I seen his buddy get out of the car. And so I didn't, and I paused for a split second. And his buddy ran over and picked him up from behind and took him back to the car and put him back in the car. Now, my belief is that these people were out to rob people, and they got out on the wrong street. Oh, yeah. It was a very lit. It was a very lit street in a place where people don't typically get robbed mm. in that city. And so it happened that quick, and I'm glad I didn't hit him because if I hit, I'm sure that they had a weapon in the car, and my right. buddy had his on him, oh. and I'd have been standing in the middle of two people with guns. And I, they taught me a lot about that whole situation. And you know, like I, I, I reflected on that situation for months i probably still reflect on that situation and utilize things i learned from it but that city's interesting it's very interesting and it can if you don't respect the city it can reach out and grab you dude and, and it's not fun yeah man that's that's crazy man that's intense that's uh, um, um super intense it's like um like when people go to rob other people that most of the time they're not expecting them to sort of fight back they're sort of expecting them to submit and so when people do like come back or come at them with the same ferocity it it throws them off and and because no one really wants to kill anybody i mean not most people most people don't want to kill people right you know or shoot them or or have it even come to that they just want you to just sort of give it up um i had a friend who had i mean it's not a similar situation other than he was getting robbed but the guy jumped into his car while he was in the driver's seat and he was just waiting for a friend to get out guy jumped into his car pulled out a gun and was like fucking give me your money and fucking for some reason my friend pulls out a knife and is like trying to stab this guy he brought he literally brought a knife to a gunfight and the dude was like what the fuck and like he just freaked out and was like and and jetted out and 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 like what i mean first of all anybody puts a gun in my face i'm I'm shitting myself and giving them whatever i have and i'm just like whatever fuck this it's not i got a funny story about getting guns pulled out on you man i got so I, I recently, uh, so this last year, I went back to the Imperial Valley to go visit. And two of my friends and I get hired for a private party out on this uh, farm, out on this ranch, you know, that a friend of ours owns. And it's right off the highway, off this dirt road, you know, it goes off this ranch. So we go out, play the party, blah, 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 load up all our shit, you know, we're heading back. So one of the guys lived right around the corner in town. But you have to get on the freeway and go like, 30 seconds to get to his house. You know, he dropped right down in town. And so instead of doing that, there's this dirt road that goes parallel with the highway. And so he turns down that road thinking it's a through road to just skip the highway and go straight into town near his backyard, you know? So I'm following him with my buddy in the passenger seat down this dirt road. We get to the end and um, it's alongside of a canal bank. So um, it's not a through road, so we turn around, we flip a U.E., and we go back towards, you know, the, you know, the entrance. Mm-hmm. And we're going down, and he's in front of me, and I'm, I'm behind him. You know, there's dust in the air, so I can kind of see his car, you know, but I see his taillights. And all of a sudden, I see a lot of dust, and he just guns it. And he's just, 
pedal to the floor. He's, he's swerving. He's gone. He's like running. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? And like, so I'm starting to slow down because I'm starting to see little white lights pop out all over around me and like in front of me. And I'm slowing down and the dust clears and I see like 12 different dudes in tactical black gear and those are machine guns. Oh, shit. And I, I had a moment, I, I even said it out loud. I was just like, is this how I'm going to go? Like, this is it? Like, this is the fucking, you know what I mean? And I, I just, I said it real quick, like kind of, it wasn't under my breath, but it came out like out of my mouth. I was like, is, really? This is how I'm going down? And then like, I put my car apart. I fought cartel, but did not, we grew up right next to the border for whoever's listening, but I thought this was cartel that was coming at us and jacking us. Yeah. And I thought I was going to get shot and they were going to take my car. Like they were going to rob us, you know? Yeah. My car's full of, uh, who knows what they were looking for, but that's what I thought it was. So I rolled down my window, man, and I put, I just put my car in park and I put my hands in the air. I told my buddy, put your hands in there. These guys are running up literally 12 different dudes coming out of ditches and fucking whatever around my car with machine guns, bro. Oh my God. So, I got a machine gun in my face on the left side of my face on the driver's side of my car and this guy's yelling at me. The fuck are you doing down this road? This is a private road. What the fuck are you doing? What the fuck? Who are you? Whatever. I was like, bro, we're musicians. We played a fucking party right there at that fucking house right there where those lights are on. Right there. And he's yelling at me. He's like, give me your fucking ID. Who are you? Give me your fucking ID. I was like, bro. He's like, turn off your car. I was like, dude, you turn off my car. I'm not putting my hands down. I'm not getting shot, dude. Yeah. You turn off my car. And so he's like, cover me, cover me, tells his buddy, and he reaches in and turns off my car. He's like, give me your fucking ID, give me your fucking ID, give me your license, give me your ID. I was like, it's in my left pocket, in my wallet, and again, you're going to have to open my door and take it out of my car, out of my pocket, because I'm not putting my hands down. Not shoot me, dude. Like, yeah. And so he did. He opened my, my car door. He took my wa- my wallet out, took my ID. And then I hear a radio on the other side, and I hear some static. And I was like, what is that? And then I see a sheriff pulling off of the, the highway. And I was like, oh, thank fucking baby Jesus. They're cops. They're cops. And I was like, it's not cartel. Then I was like, okay, keep your fucking hands up because I'm not trying to get shot by a dumbass cop right. on the back road right now. Like, there's something going on, obviously. And so... They detained us there for a while. It turned out that this cop lived there um, right off the road at the house that was next to us. Um, But the road was not a private road. It was not private property, and it was very illegal what they were doing. But um, he bust, he made a big old bust, uh, a million, he he, he, uh, busted these these cartel dudes with a million dollars of laundered money. And like an idiot, like he wanted to take credit for it, he let them take a picture of him around all the money, and they put it in the fucking newspaper. Uh. So Cartel had been calling him, to giving and or like contacting him uh, with death threats. Oh They're gonna kill him. So him and his buddies were working, not by orders, on their own accord because they were scared, stopping people who walked with fucking machine guns, bro, on his road in front of his house. Jesus, Lord. So illegal. I was like, dude, what if there's a party right there? You know your neighbors. There's a party. 
what if a what if a mom, a pregnant mom and her daughter in the back seat made a wrong turn and you ran up and they freaked the fuck out and ran themselves into the ditch or worse, freaked out and did something weird or one of your guys fell and a shot went off and you shot up their car. Because you know if one shot goes off, they're all going off. Yeah, yeah. So like what if? I was like, you guys are fucking crazy. <sighs> like, dude, straight up. But funny enough, point of that whole story, I was really proud that if a, if a dozen dudes with machine guns come up and point them in my face, I have incredible bowel control and I did not shoot. I did not shit myself. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. Well, I mean, shit, dude. Like, uh, that, that's I did amazing. I later. Right after that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, I mean, like, um, it, it just makes you think in, like, uh, you know, if, in the case of a zombie apocalypse, maybe you'd be one of the survivors that would be leading people to safety because you I, could hold your so. shit together. <laughs> I hope so, dude. It was, you know, when we were done, like, you know, I, the first thing that came to mind, I was just like, when I realized what was going on or what had happened, you know, my buddy's sitting in the seat next to me and... I just looked at him, I was like, do you understand how many rights you actually have in this country now? Yeah. You don't have any rights. Yeah. Like like George Carlin said, like you have privileges. Yeah. A right isn't a right if it can be taken away. And they took all of ours away. Oh. There was no flashing of a badge. There was no cordial anything. There was machine guns in our face on a public road and no repercussions for their actions. And, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally, man. I mean, I mean, it's definitely like a microcosm of something that's on a that's happening on a larger, uh, larger level. You know, like that's. Yeah. That, I mean, it's happening now all over the country. I mean, it's just now people have the technology to expose it. But like, fucking law enforcement has just been doing whatever the fuck they want for years. They they just do whatever right. the fuck they want. It, and See, now I'll say this: even with that experience. I grew up around, you know, military and, and, and law enforcement, border patrol, all, all, all kinds, you know, my whole life. And I, I will say this. When I, when I refer to police officers doing bad things, I never really say they, because if I blanket all of them, it's just a disservice. In my experience, the majority are very good at what they do, and they do it the right way. Yeah. I think there, you know, there's a... A portion of them, and I don't want to say small because maybe that's not doing it justice either. Right. But there's a portion of them that are completely fucked. Yeah. And and it's a problem, and it's been and like you said, technology is around nowadays just to to shed light on it. I, I you know again from traveling to Ohio and I got to experience the, the country for you know I wanted to experience the country. And my perspective, because I got out of California, was very different um, when I got back. And it was good, you know? Like, the rest of the country does not operate the way California does or other states, too. It's just, you know... Yeah, it's just different. different. And and you're right, man. And and I I don't want to sound like I'm hating on all cops because that's not it. Like, I I mean, the first thing I'm going to do if I'm in a shit situation is call the fucking cops. It's like, you know... Right. When I I hear somebody, and I I mean, I've heard some of our friends even uh, say, when I hear someone say, you know, fuck the police or fucking pigs or these kind of comments, I... 
they just sound really ignorant to me. And they sound like they're just as much part of the problem as the officers that abuse their 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 power, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely, man. I mean, because, I mean, in, in, in the end, cops are just people. And people fucking are faulty. You know, not everyone's going right. to operate on a normal level. And, and they're just people. It's like the, like, politicians are just people. So they're, they're going to be, they're going to have, mis- they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make bad decisions. You know, they, right. they're not this infallible being that just goes around making all the right choices. It's like, we're all just people here. We all fuck up. And it's just, true. it's just what it is. Um, I wanted to um, I, um, start to wrap things up, but I wanted to listen to a couple tunes off of your album. Uh, oh, cool. Um, what, what would you suggest we play off of uh, give, give All We Can? Well, that's the title track to the EP, so you can play that one, you know? Okay. A lot of people like that song a lot, and it kind of addresses a lot of the things that, that we're just talking about. You know, oh, nice. that, that song actually lyrically is probably very much uh, um, geared to that realm of, of a conversation. Tight. Okay. Well, let's listen to Give All We Can, um, and we'll be right back. Talk about us giving all we can for love And all we ever dream about is giving all we can for love All we ever talk about is love, 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 love. And all we ever dream about is giving all we can for love You know we're all frustrated When these times seem so segregated Well, if we all just thought as one For one another we might overcome It oh, 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 yeah When all we ever talk about Is giving all we can for love And all we ever dream about Is giving all we can for all we ever talk about is love And all we ever dream about is giving all we can for love But there's too much tearing down each other When we're all bound by the same if there's gonna be a fight, why not make it for unity? Say unity yeah, between you and I.
talk about us giving all we can for love And all we ever dream about us giving all we can for love Talk about his love, no, 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 no. And all we ever dream about is giving all we can for love. Oh, love, love. And we're back. Nice. Um, so, um, a couple of, like quick questions here. Um, what are uh, what is uh, what is? I know it's hard, especially for musicians. But what was a seminal album for you that sort of like just changed the way you looked at music and just just like um, blew your mind? Well, um, I mean, I guess I could just start with like uh, uh, I have a similar question that I ask folks when I meet them. Is I usually ask them what their first vinyl was they they ever bought mm. and a first CD they ever owned. Mm. And so for me, the first vinyl I ever owned was James Brown's Superbad. Oh, shit. Okay. And so that right there was, I mean, if your mind don't get blown by that album, you're not human. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> and then um, uh, the first CD I ever um, owned, too, was, uh, uh, I think it was Jackson 5 ABC. Oh, nice. Those are, I think that was it, yeah. Those are solid. Those are solid. I, I think... Yeah, it, I've never thought about it like that, but I think the first vinyl I ever bought, I mean, just me and my dad just digging through crates was probably The Wall, Pink Floyd. Oh, nice. And, but I don't remember the first CD. That's <laughs> that's long gone. Fuck it. That's, right. I, I mean, it's, it's a fun question. I think I think it tells a lot about somebody. Yeah. Um, by that, you know, by, you know, by the things they listen to sometimes, but... Um, but another monumental album. Um, I mean, there's so many. I know, know I know, I know. This is a ridiculous question it, to ask, especially it, ask it, a mu- musician. But I have it's to. Not, it's just not like a one part question. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's like our answer. I should say. Yeah, and, and so, that's kind of it's uh, by design. It's sort of to. Well, so uh, well, I'll say this. Like, I, so I grew up in Motown. We talked about that metal and all that. I, I really, uh, you know, grew up in the grunge era as well and all that good stuff. Yeah. And while, um, you know, I loved Alice in Chains, so like, oh, like yeah. every fucking album they ever made. The but, Unplugged uh, album, I'm sorry, but that Unplugged album is just the it's most... It's one of the best ever. Oh, my God. And, so, that and the Nirvana Unplugged is just like... But, so it, right? So those are two of the best. And while people were listening to those two, and Soundgarden, another favorite, you know, and all these good things, um, I found really, really good music in Silverchair. Oh yeah, and I thought that they were overlooked a lot, and I thought that that band in particular. Now, all of these musicians were great in their own right, but that band in particular. If you go to one of their shows, like it wasn't just a grunge show; 
those guys were like a musical, man. They were so much more talented, I think, than they got credit for, mm. especially uh, Daniel Johns, the, the, the singer. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, he's the singer. He's like the folk point of the band, but but that guy plays piano like a champ and just his voice has got one of the strongest diaphragms I've ever heard still to this day. Um, he's just an amazing writer. Lyrically, the content, everything that was going on with it really hit and while they didn't get as political they did but they didn't stay in it they really played music i thought that hit the hearts of the teenagers that were going around that time just like nirvana and all them too but right they really um they really nailed it kind of in a similar way as far as content goes like how um alanis morissette with jagged little pill did mm-hmm yeah, that was another album in that time period that is severely underrated, and I think moved mountains for teenagers in that time period. Totally, man. It it was definitely um, like uh, a like a um, I don't know, not a call to arms, but like it was definitely like a sign of the times. Like it was definitely something it, that helped. It was, and I think it was that. So just like I talked about that person walking by and like stopping when I'm, you know, playing and, like, they saw me for, like, a human, mm. I think those artists with those albums were, like, to the masses, like, I see you. Yeah. And they they were really talking to people, not just trying to sell an album. Yeah, man. I'm totally with you. That's, and that's an awesome They were movie. young, too. Well, yeah. they were young, too, and I think they wrote those because they needed it, too. They just happened to be the vehicle that carried that message out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then let me see here. I got another one. Oh, what's an instrument you wish you could play? Uh, pedal steel. Pedal steel. Oh, that's good. Damn, I think that's pedal good. steel would be a beautiful instrument to learn. Yeah. Really difficult. Yeah. Pedal steel. Who's the... Oh, Robert Randolph. Are you familiar so with that? He plays pedal steel too, but uh, he plays lap steel. Like, lap I mean, steel. Similar, okay. but... Um, Pedal steel is the one that's got like kind of two of those up there, and then there's like pedals on the bottom, you know, um, uh, you know, doing things and right, one to swell it, it in, right, volume. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, um, a, a more country dominantly used mm. instrument, but um, there's more strings too, right? Like, isn't there like yeah. ten strings or some shit? There's a shit ton of strings on that thing, and it and it's like really complicated to play. Oh, that's but, uh, a good one, man. No one's ever said pedal steel. That's that's great. It's just an inch, I find it interesting. It's an interesting instrument. For sure. The level of difficulty for the sound that it gets out, like I think it's really underrated, and you know, especially on this side of the country. Yeah. Like I also know. I think I know one pedal steel player in California. <laughs> and this is coming from a and guy who a, knows a lot of people. And he's a badass. Nice. He is a badass. Oh, you know, I know two. I know two. I know one in San Luis Obispo, and I know one in, and one in Modesto, and they're both really good at what they do. The guy in Modesto, I rarely have seen anybody play a pedal steel the way that he does. I do. What's their name? Shout them out. Um, I don't remember his name, but he plays in the band called, uh, he plays with my friend, my friend Willie T. Taylor. He's one of the most amazing songwriters I've ever met. Um, uh, great storyteller. Um, but uh, he plays in a band, uh, a country bluegrass band called um, the Good Luck Thrift Store Outfit. Oh my God! Great name. <laughs> but uh, um, 
Yeah, his pedal steel player in that band is amazing. I just wrote that down. I want to check that out. The the they're they're such good songwriters. All those guys. I'm into it. Um, okay, and then what's a what's a weakness in like either your voice or your playing that you've overcome in the past or you're working on currently? Just in your technique, why? Uh, well, technique wise. That's a good question. So it's kind of that's very pertinent to where I'm at right now. Um, uh, so another reason why I moved back to San Diego while we opened up the music school. Um, I get to take lessons from the best musicians I know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and, you know, I get to learn all the things that I should have learned 17, 18 years ago when I started. Isn't that, like, um, the hardest? I, like, when you got to go back and do, like, the work? <laughs> it's like, right. Uh, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I'm just sort of, like, starting to well, get I, back into it. it well, it's kind of fun because it's not hard in the sense that I want to learn it now, you know, like I know why and and I'm interested. Now it's finding the time within playing and traveling and doing all that to do it, to put in the time to do it. Because I mean, with those, some of those things, repetition, you know, like, like learning all your scales and, Mm -hmm. and then playing them proficiently. Like that's, you know, at the speeds and timings that you want to do them in. Um, It takes repetition to do that. And, over and um, over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes there's not enough time in the day, you know, or like me, like, like I feel like I live in my car, you know, I'm, like I pay for a room to live in that I don't really get to sleep in ever. Yeah. You know, um, I'm constantly driving and all that. And, what do you um, do? What do you do? What, what's your favorite thing to pass the time in the car? Uh, I listen to podcasts a lot. Ah. So it's kind of funny we're doing that, but. Um, I like Joe Rogan's podcast a lot. Some Joe people Rogan's don't. There's a, there's a few other I listen to, but I like the variety of people that he has on without too much of having like a biased like agenda right, within, yeah. within it. I, I feel you, man, because I love scientists, comedians, fucking musicians, and just, and, and he's not like, I mean, he definitely does have his own opinion on everything, but like, He's definitely open, and, and it's not just sealed into this, like, you know, whatever left coast mentality or anything. It's it's definitely... Just it like, is. It's, cool. it's very open-minded, and it, and, it, and it correlates really well with how our house operates in San Diego. Mm. You know, I don't know if you... Have, I, I think you, you've been to our house, because I met that's you. That's where at, I met you. At that, so I live at that house now. That's where I live now. I live in Bonita. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, I mean, I, I used to live with a lot of those guys 12 years ago, mm. but... Having the symposiums at our house... That was so cool. It's the dopest shit. And, like, so the best thing... You know, people always want to fix the world. And really, just fix your circle. Yeah. Like, that starts with the... starts with your community. Yeah. Yeah, And so that's why we do that. You know, have a speaker come in and do a Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we have presentations. We don't... We haven't done it as often Mm -hmm. over the last, like, year, you know, or so. But, um... We just had one the, the other day. It was our friend's birthday. Uh, it was our friend Nina's birthday. You know Nina, I'm sure. Yeah, she plays um, piano. Yeah, plays piano and sings. So yeah, uh, it was her birthday, and so her boyfriend came and did a presentation. We had a symposium on her birthday for oh. her birthday party, That's and nice. um, he he is a specialist and works in uh, in an arena with um, um, uh, carnivorous plants. Oh shit. It was fucking cool, man. 
I had no idea. I mean, you only hear a Venus flytrap right. ever, you know? So, like, but dude, there was, like, he said there was, like, something, like, I want to say a hundred and something type of carnivorous plants. Holy shit. And he gave a presentation, and he even brought one, like a little one, in a little pot. Oh, that's cool. Wow. And uh, it was fucking cool, man. Like, yeah. But the information out there and all that, it's really cool to be around progressive people who really understand that by fixing the world, you start by fixing your circle and educating the people directly around you. Hell yeah. And it bleeds out, you know, and, and into everybody else around them, you know, because everybody knows somebody that you don't know. Like, yeah. like it just branches out. If we spider web like that, I think, um, I don't know if it'll happen in our, in our lifetime, you know, it doesn't look like it, but, um, but I think the more that that happens, the faster the world will correct itself. Yeah, man. Totally. I, I love that. Um, uh, just just a suggestion do you like books on tape at all i do i i listen to audiobooks as well in the car a lot yeah um i i don't know if you're hip to this but like most libraries have like free audiobooks that you oh yeah, yeah um oh yeah I, I don't know if you're hip to it but i've been fucking just i've been loving it i mean sometimes you gotta wait for it i'm waiting for like the second book of game of thrones right now i'm just like come on motherfucker. oh right right <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather listen to them than like, because I just don't have time to sit and read like that. Uh, absolutely, I'm the but, same way. But um, and it, well, so another thing. So to go back just before we stop all this, before uh, um, uh, we're talking about Mississippi. So um, we're, you mentioned Hurricane Katrina, and so I, I ended up in in Mississippi post Katrina as well. And so um, to learn about that from locals in that area. Mm-hmm was something that is priceless for me. And so my buddy Michael, um, uh, weirdly enough, like so, like I said, he's from Hattiesburg. And so, like, the eye of the hurricane and, like, the most damage that was done was not necessarily in New Orleans. Mm. And it was, a lot of it was in the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and closer to Hattiesburg. And a lot of those places are still in rubble. But New Orleans is New Orleans, and it got a lot of the limelight, you know, because it's New Orleans. Right. And, um, you know, because of its reputation. And obviously, they, they rebuilt the French quarters and all that good stuff, you know. Mm. But um, my buddy Michael's mother and his uncle, which is a amazing musician out there in Mississippi, they made a documentary that, made a lot, that won a lot of awards. Oh, cool. Um, and it's called Mississippi Sun. Mississippi you can Sun? Watch it. Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. I don't know if it's on... It used to be on Netflix and some of the others. It's not on there anymore, though. But um, they made a very good documentary about that whole situation. And um, how... I mean, Mississippi was really forgotten um, yeah, in all totally of that madness. And, and in the midst of all that, it also teaches you about their culture of those people and how resilient they are as far as, and how stubborn they are. <laughs> they don't like help, especially when you don't come when you're supposed to. Yeah. So they didn't want help. Mississippi didn't have, they rebuilt a lot on their own. But I also learned a lot about like the bad deals that were made in rebuilding hmm. there. And that's an interesting thing too, because a lot of the schools, so the casinos drive that whole area. That's what keeps it afloat. It's a casino town it's like uh like i just came from reno it's like that or it's like um uh vegas like vegas yeah so 
when the casinos were there before Katrina, they were floating. They were on the river. And so, but now it's illegal for them to be on the river. The deal that was made was that um, Mississippi would allow, the state of Mississippi would allow the casinos to rebuild, but they had to be on land. Mm-hmm. And then the deal that was made was they'll build on land if they contribute and rebuild a certain amount, X amount of dollars, or whatever it is, to rebuild the schools in the area. Oh, okay. And now, because Mississippi's leaders are not the smartest of <laughs> folks, um, there was some bad deals made, and in the fine print, they got fucked. Ugh. And a lot of the schools are still in shambles, and only the wealthy schools got rebuilt, and the poor schools got shit on. Oh, my God. And a lot of it is still that way, and they're still rebuilding. Oh, man. Um, it's kind of gross, man. So, like, that, that, whole, that whole thing. And New Orleans, I mean, they rebuilt the whole downtown scene and all that. But when I was there, you know, and this is like, when I first went there, this is like three years ago now. Mm. Um, you know, you could go downtown and it's just immaculate, you know, as far as, like, it's rebuilt, you know, not to say it's not the dirtiest city I've ever been to, but um, it's definitely put back together. Right. But you could, you know, you could hang a left turn or a right turn and it looks like a bomb went off. Wow. You know, right next to a fancy hotel. Like, yeah. it just, like, there were houses on the side of the road on the freeway coming in. And my buddy, you know, he gave me a tour of, like, the whole state, really. Like, yeah. when I first got there, we went on this journey, you know, and he showed me a lot of culture and history there. And, and um, but we're coming in, and I'm like, God damn, look at them houses, man. They still got holes in the roofs. Like, there's literally big holes in the roofs. Some of them don't have roofs. Um, but he's like, dude, you know what those holes are from? And I was like, well, fuck. I mean, the water was high, probably debris, you know? He's like, no, man. Those are from gunshots, from people blowing the roofs, of, or people picking out the fucking a hole in the roof so they could climb out of their house. Oh, my God. Because the water was filling their houses. Now, they're infested with poisonous snakes, alligators, fucking the whole nine. You're talking about swamps. I can't imagine <sighs> what that was like, you know? Right. I just, when you when you drive down the freeway and you see the gravity of how, you know, high the water was, like we're going down the freeway and you, we're going under these overpasses and there's little blue spray painted marks up on the overpass and my buddy's like you see the blue marks I'm like, yeah he's like that's to mark the water level of how high it was and i'm talking about an open land marsh like it's flat you could look for miles dude that water had to be for miles wow. that as high as the highest overpass you can think of <sighs> that, that's intense man that's like it was super intense to see it in person like yeah, for the man. first time like you tear up dude it's like it's unbelievable. You hmm. can't fathom it. It's like watching that movie. What was it? Uh, 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 fuck. What was that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal where it's like the end of the world and shit? The ice age is coming back. Oh, uh, you know, and that, like you see all the water rush in, like into the city. That's yeah. exactly what it had to have looked like. Wow. Yeah, totally. Like you just, this is the end. This is the end of days. And it was yeah, for them. Like, it was for, for them in that time. Like, that really, was. literally was the apocalypse for them. It's crazy, man. The world's a crazy place. 
I, I agree. I agree. Oh, um, let's let's listen on a good note. Let, let's listen to another tune and wrap up. Right as um, you know, um, you see, there's a couple love songs on the CD. There's another probably political one on there, but um, unconditional is a good um, tune. A good positive note. <laughs> okay. Probably, um, probably end on. Okay, cool. Let's listen to Unconditional and we'll be right back. And all I believe is gone Ever since I realized the cop has been pulled from underneath us all along And now that my eyes are open to the universe looking down from above I just keep on living through the greatest repetition of giving love with unconditional To you, my friends With unconditional Love once again And all we should breathe is unity If we could just understand We just need to respect each other And live life and hold hands And some may look at that as something Dreamer would say But I don't know why they would live their life any other way But unconditional To you, my friends Unconditional Love Once again And we're back. 
Right on, man. So, Matt, I appreciate you coming on. And um, where can people find your music and websites? Um, and I just launched my website uh, late this last year, oh, nice. uh, which I'm stoked about. So all the social media um, platforms are, are on there where you can find my album, like on my band camp and all that stuff. But okay. it's mattstoresmusic.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm really stoked. There's like a merch store on there with some fun, uh, fun merchandise. I'm actually having some more made, so not all of it is up yet, but there's some fun stuff on there. Like my, you know, some of my good friends and I, we always say, let's get weird, mm. you know? And, and, um, it, it's, so I made a bunch of, uh, stuff with that on it, which is pretty cool and pretty fun. And there's some coffee mugs and cool shit that people have liked so far. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, man. That's on that's on mattswarsmusic.com. Wait, can you just spell that out just 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 because? So M A T T S U A R E Z music.com. There it is, folks. All right, Matt. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your drive and uh uh, chatting it up a bit I, I have to say this has been one of my favorite podcasts I've had in a while so thank you very cool. much it's, it was no worries. a pleasure Thanks for having me on, man. yeah right on isn't he a gem um, hands down one of my favorite podcasts in the past few weeks uh just a great conversationalist i had a feeling that we could have probably went all night um uh, but it was pretty late for me here when i was talking to him so i kind of had to cut it off because i had to get my son to bed and all those responsibilities that come along with parenting go to matt suarez music.com that's m-a-t-t-s-u-a-r-e-z music.com Go over there, be somebody, make um, make someone proud, buy a mug, buy a shirt, buy some music. Just give your money to Matt. <laughs> and um, thanks, Matt, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, that's it, folks. You can write the show, We Speak English at, oh my God, We Speak English Good at gmail.com. And then the website, of course, my Baron website, which I send that fucking thing out to people trying to get them to come on my show. I should probably have a website that looks a little better than it does. It hasn't been updated since I first put content on there. So I keep saying I'm going to update it, but it never happens. It never happens. Life. So we speak EnglishGood.net. Anyways, I will see you next time. Be good to your fellow human beings. Be nice. HJs for everybody. Uh, I love you guys. Like a deep, intimate love. Baby. All right. Bye.